1: Jacob, dude, we got to go
0: live, man. The people are waiting for us. We have to go live, dude. Like, we're late. We're a minute late. We got so much to talk about. And yet we're not live yet. What's going on, dude?
1: We're live now. You know who else is live? Who else is live this week? Eno Benjamin is live this week. It's Eno season. Eno Benjamin season! It's Eno Benjamin season.
0: I love it, man. We've been waiting, what, two, three years to play Eno Benjamin, and we finally get our chance this week. I am so excited. I'm not excited about the ownership percentages, but I don't care. I don't give a bleep. I'm telling you right now, like, I am going to be having Eno Benjamin in so many lineups, and I cannot wait to break down why. Why? (laughs) I'm amped, dude. I'm so amped to talk about this episode. I'm like, this whole slate, man. This whole slate is just exciting. Like, it's different. There's there's news that are updating, like, a little bit earlier than we've seen most weeks. So we actually, like, instead of us being like, oh, yeah, well, we would play this guy if XYZ happens. Well, we've already seen stuff happen. And so we already know it's happening. It's already happening. And we're live to talk about it. Let's go. Let's go. God, I am excited. Welcome on in to the Big Toots. We are here to talk some DFS strategy. We are here to help you guys with your lineups and help y'all make money, just like we have been doing week after week after week. Well, maybe not what was it week before? We had a little bit of a rough week. But the other four weeks, we've nailed a lot of our takes. And guess what? We're gonna do it again today because we're gonna be playing Eno Benjamin.
1: But no, I, I am excited. I'm
0: excited to to dive into this. just how
1: much ownership can we play Eno Benjamin into? That's that's the question. Like 50%, 60%. Uh 80. So I was thinking about this earlier in the week. Once it started to look like because I so for anyone that checks out my written work, I wrote on the Hitchhiker's Guide to Running Back. I, I mean, I have to finish drafting that Monday night and it comes out Tuesday. So at the time that I was writing it, I thought James Connor was playing. Like I think most of us on Monday thought that the Connor rib injury was like maybe something, maybe nothing. We thought even if he doesn't play, Daryl Williams might still play. So I was kind of like cool on you know, I was like, oh, that was fun. You know, maybe it'd be fun next week. Uh, and then you know, everything changes where these guys are out, it's Eno Benjamin, it's potentially just Keontae Ingram, and then we'll see if they activate either Tyson Williams or Corey Clement from the practice squad. Um, he I think projects easily over 40% ownership. And I was thinking, like, oh my god, like Chase and I, I'm pretty sure the first time we ever met digitally, like. We were trying to introduce each other, trying to get to know each other. We we like bonded over our shared love of you know Benjamin. It was amazing, and we're so pumped for this week. And it's so great for all I manage. And we were like, can we justify like playing you know Benjamin at what is sure to be egregious ownership? And I think that the answer is perhaps because <laughs> the big thing that the big thing that's defining this slate now for me is that it's a really condensed slate in my opinion, where we have these underpriced running backs, right? Just like clearly underpriced pre running backs. Eno Benjamin, first among them. Ramondre Stevenson, certainly in the mix. Ken Walker, and then Daryl Henderson. These are the four guys that clearly either due to recent injuries in the last week or midweek or whatever else, I, I think are going to come in really, really highly owned. And then we're going to see it scattered around some of the other top plays. And then the ownership is going to like drop off like a rock after the first, I think like eight or 10 guys. And Jacob, real quick,
0: I mean, let's let everybody know that that is not aware. I mean, I'm sure by the time this podcast comes out, everybody's going to know, and I'm sure most people already know already. But Cam Akers has been ruled out this week due to personal issues that the team said that they had to work through. So, I mean, best of luck to them. But that's really great for DFS because at his pricing – It now opens up a little bit of ownership, possibly for Eno Benjamin, but more so for for Kenneth Walker and some of these other cheaper running backs because Henderson now is an actual play this week. So, I mean, that's kind of exciting on the DFS DFS side of things, but go ahead and continue with what you were saying.
1: Yeah, and why don't I just all just state the prices quick. So, Ramondre, 6K, uh, Ken Walker, 5,400, Daryl Henderson, 5,100, Eno Benjamin, 4,600. So, for anybody that's watching. I think that, first of all, that opens up, you know, the guys that normally would be excited to play, like Saquon or Alvin Kamara or Leonard Fournette or Christian McCaffrey, like probably way less owned than they would be in a normal week. But the especially interesting thing about Eno is that he's in one of the two games that I think is going to attract tons and tons of ownership, tons and tons of stacks, and they're both late, right? Arizona, Seattle. And so I think the key to most of my lineups this week, and we're going to go game by game, you know, more than a lot of construction, So I wanted to hit it at the top, but when I'm sitting on Saturday night, Sunday morning, I'm constructing my lineups. The key for me is how can I use the early slate to get enough information to tell me how to handle the late slate? Because whether that's I'm planning to stack one of those games, but I want to get some one-offs in, in the early slate, or whether that's, I'm going to do a stack. Uh, you know, I'm going to talk about my favorite kind of contrarian stack this week later on. And then I'm going to play some of the one-offs like an, Eno or whatever in the late slate, if it hits, or if it doesn't hit, then you don't play 50% owned, you know, Benjamin, you get your ass onto somebody else. And so I think everything that I'm going to try and go over a little bit today, but especially in the, when I'm making lineups is, how can I set myself up? Because I don't know if we've talked about late swapping a ton on this show, but essentially if you're playing in tournaments and you feel great about where you're at in the early slate, let's say you play, I don't know. I'm going to talk about Cincinnati, New Orleans later today. Spoiler alert. Let's say that you play Burrow and Chase, and they go off. They get you 60. You play the Camaro bring back. It's awesome. You're sitting there. You have the QB1, the wide receiver one after the early slate. It doesn't have a ton of ownership on it. By all means, swap on to Eno with one of your remaining slots. Swap on to Stephon Diggs if you have the money for it, etc. If you're playing something that kind of goes meh, or maybe somebody else that was popular in the early slate hits big, you don't have them, you need to catch up, then you can't play You know Benjamin at that point, right? you you got to find other ways to get off it. You can't play know and lock it like everybody else is going to play. And that's really where you have to try and think through this late slate. What information did I glean from the early slate? And so I think the big things that I think would disadvantage you is putting yourself in position with lineups not to gather that information. Either playing way too much of the early slate so that you don't have the opportunity to make those swap decisions with all this ownership and all these high totals in the late slate or saving all your ammo for the late slate. You get some information on who fails in the early slate, but I don't think there's going to be that many of the high leverage plays uh, of the week that are playing early. A, lo- a lot of the highest leverage plays are, are happening in the late window. I want to have information on my own lineup as well as the fields lineups coming into that
0: yeah, Jacob, I mean, you literally read my mind and you said everything exactly how I'd say it. I'm pretty sure that I typed that whole thing up and you just read off my sheet. Now, I'm just kidding, but uh, no, I the thing is is like I actually want to play, you know, a couple players from this early slate, but the majority of my lineups are going to exist. I kind of I kind of like actually having my initial stack at the one o'clock games and then having my one-offs at the four o'clock games. So I, I want to play my initial stack early to see if my initial stack hit. If it doesn't, you know, I'm out. Like, I it, it happens. Those lineups are pretty much done. But if I end up hitting big, big, then I can kind of pivot off that chalk to an extent, or I can stay with the chalk and and you know hope that I can ride out the storm. But if I end up pivoting off the chalk, then we're talking about like ending up in the top one percent, something that that is pretty difficult to do. So, it, you know, if I have, let's just hypothetically say, and I'm I'm going to talk about this game, so that's why it's on the top of my head. Right. If I have, let's just say Daniel Jones, uh, Saquon Barkley, run it back. I don't know. J.K. Dobbins, right? That's not going to be a very high-owned stack and and run back, but essentially now, like, if they end up going off and they end up putting up significant points, something in the top five for each one of their positions, if I pivot off the chalk, we're talking about top 1%. If I don't pivot off the chalk, we're still going to end up in the top 10% regardless because nobody played Daniel Jones, uh, Saquon Barkley with a J.K. Dobbins run back. So, uh, you know, I I do like playing these 1 o'clock ones, but I want to play it very sparsely.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting for sure. Because, yeah, it's, it's, we talked about those running backs. I didn't even mention, I said Eno, of course, Walker, they're in the same game. So they both play late. Daryl Henderson is also in the late window. So the only one of those four, what I expect to be at least, the four highest owned running backs on the slate that plays early is Ramondre Stevenson. And so, you know, that's part of it. And honestly, I, I think for me, just the chronology of when these games play means I'm probably going to be underweight on Ramondre Stevenson because. Where I do play Ramondre might be, let's say I do have my Bengal stack, right? Um, if I'm already taking the lower owned um, stack in that scenario or any other stack in the early games, I don't know, that, that we want to say has lower ownership. Maybe I'll play Ramondre with that. If I'm already saying, like I'm already playing some lower owned pieces, I'm going to work in, you know, one chalk piece. I want to have a Ramondre lineup. So I'll make this my Ramondre lineup. But otherwise, like I think I would almost rather gather information on a player that is probably going to be between thirty to forty percent rostered in a lot of different slates, and then see where I'm at. That way, if Ramondre—I mean, I don't think he's—I think it's almost impossible, barring injury, for him to like fully fail in this spot. But he could easily have, you know, 100. He could have 80 rush yards, couple catches for 20 yards, no touchdown, 13 points. Big whoop, right? You're 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 easily loving your chances where you can beat 13 points with that $6,000 if any other options at your disposal, right? If you just sit out Ramondre and you play it like Ramondre is going to fail, and then all of a sudden, you know, you can kind of maneuver that in your late swap, especially if you play some other things early that go well for you. Um, and then, you know, you might be more open to, okay, well, I'll play Eno then. I'll play Walker then, or I'll play Henderson then. Uh, and I think one fun way to, to do that, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're going to get into games. I don't think anybody's talking about this game, is that, Nick Chubb is an interesting play this week, I think. Always. Every week. We picked him last week. He's always an interesting play. Uh, but I think this week, I, I think he serves a couple purposes. Number one, like with all this, with all the running backs that are cheap, then you have Saquon and Kamara, who, strike to me, as just like pretty great point-per-dollar plays in the higher end. It's going to be hard for people to get to a lot of Chubb. And in a Nick chubb ceiling game, that's almost certainly not a Ramondre stevenson ceiling game. So I think it, it's a nice way to sort of if you're fading Ramondre, get some Chub into the mix. Uh,
0: I think you expect me to just ignore the fact that you said it's going to be hard to get a Chub. So
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and if well, we're going to be watching Edo Benjamin as a bell cow on Sunday, it won't be that hard for us to get a Chub. It's not going to be hard for us to get a Chub. It's going to be
0: pretty easy. It, it will be. It will be very simple. But no, I mean we can sit here with with this audience that we have right like all these people are so sharp we could talk dfs strategy versus players because i mean most of these people understand players but we do want to break down some of these players maybe we could find a surprise that you guys didn't think of before guys and girls i should say that that you didn't think of before and, and maybe we can kind of shock you with some of our takes and give you the inside track to ending up in that top 10%, that top 5%, that top 1%, depending on where you were aiming for. So let's kick it off with the first game. We've already said enough. Eno Benjamin, Eno Benjamin, Eno Benjamin. Uh, I'm going to start with with this one right here just because Eno Benjamin is absolutely, absolutely a smash play for us. The Seahawks. You, did, did you know this, Jacob? The Seahawks. Their rush defense has been really bad this season,
1: right? And not just that, against the pass-catching running backs. As well.
0: Yeah, so, so bad. let me go ahead and break down these numbers real quick because they haven't allowed a single running back tandem or set or team to have less than 100 rushing yards in a game. Like, Do you know how hard that is to, to, to sit there and allow every team to go over 100 yards rushing on you by just the running backs? It's very difficult. It's very difficult. But if you include their receiving, right, four out of the past five games, the running back crews, the running back position has had at least 150 yards minimum up against this team. I don't even want to bring in the receptions because I don't have to, right? I don't even have to make a case for the this. Type. You know what? I'll bring in the receptions. Let's see, twenty-eight receptions in five games. That's over five or five receptions per game to the running back position. The efficiency is absolutely through the roof when the running backs do catch the ball. I mean, this is an absolute, absolute smash play up against the Seahawks, who have been terrible in the dose score, the dump off containing efficiency score for the past three years running. Yeah, I mean, it's just brutal. It's absolutely brutal over there. So, of course, we love you know Eno Benjamin in this role in a role that he's probably going to see minimum 80 yards rushing another probably 20 to 30 yards receiving, or let's say, let's say 70 yards rushing, probably another 50 yards receiving two touchdowns, two touchdowns. Anybody, if Kyler Murray doesn't, you know, vulture them away from him, of course, we're going to see those touchdowns come in for, you know, Benjamin. He got one last week, I believe, and he's been wildly, uh, you know, efficient in terms of fantasy, fantasy points scored per touch. So we obviously want to play, you know, Benjamin, we've talked enough about that, but, uh, where it gets a little bit weedy for me is like, hey, do I really want to play Kyler Murray if I'm playing, you know, Benjamin? And I don't think that answer is yes. You know, I normally like, you know how much I love, and I'm going to talk about uh, a stack that I left here in a second. I love stacking running backs with quarterbacks because 25 percent of the Millie makers in 2021 actually had a quarterback stacked with a running back from his own team it's because nobody likes to do it so I normally like going there especially when you have a rushing quarterback for, but for this this example right here I do think that that you know, Benjamin is going to get involved in the passing game but my big concern is that if Kyler Murray goes off then it's going to be because he's rushing the ball when he has a you know. Uh, carry inside the five yard line and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. Eno Benjamin's gonna be left touchdownless. He's gonna be left naked. Right. No touchdowns. No touchdowns for Eno. So that always concerns me. If Eno does get in the end zone, then I don't think Kyler Murray's gonna have a part of a game. And maybe, maybe they want to use Kyler Moore as a
1: rusher in this game, given that they don't have any running backs, right? Like they're the running backs is Eno, who, I mean let's let's be honest, as much as we love him, like this will be his first ever NFL start. We don't know what he looks like as an NFL Bell Cow. The Cardinals don't know what he looks like as an NFL Bell Cow. And their other options are Keontae Ingram, who I also liked as a prospect, but he's a round six rookie with zero career NFL carries that aren't in preseason. And Corey Clement and/or Tyson Williams, they just signed off the practice squad. So I mean they might be looking at this as, you know, A, do we even trust Eno Benjamin? B, maybe they do fully trust Eno Benjamin, but they trust nobody else. And they're like, if we give Eno Benjamin too many carries, especially up inside the middle, and he gets hurt, then we don't have any running backs anymore that have ever played a snap for us. Uh, so I could easily see them deciding, like, why don't we use Kyler a little bit more in the run game than usual? Um, and he can sort of be the complementary running back in this game.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting to, to see exactly where the... Actual touches from the rushing game are going to go. So I like Kyler, Kyler Murray in the lineups. I don't have Eno Benjamin in. Uh, in the lineups that I do, unfortunately, like I'm going to be fading him. I also have maybe maybe 10 percent right of my lineups have both those guys in there. But I, I kind of want to split those two up, and I would rather do my stack on the other side of the game. I'd rather go with the with the Geno Smith stack, and I know it's going to be chalky. I, I know it's going to be high ownership, uh, but uh, I'm I'm going to play it. Right, I'm going to play it because Geno Smith has been a freaking monster this year. We've seen an Arizona defense that's been, you know, a shell of its former self, although they weren't really good last year. They're still a shell of themselves somehow. You know, so so I'm gonna love to to play Geno Smith. I'm gonna love to play Kenneth Walker, actually, believe it or not. I'm gonna love Kenneth Walker with his breakaway run potential, which we saw last week. Thank you very much. And you know, it's kind of funny, Jacob, right? Because in week four I said, I'm probably a week too early to be playing Kenneth Walker. He's probably gonna end up going off in week five, not week four. Yeah, well, because Penny back. got hurt. It doesn't matter, he still went off in week five. (laughs) Did he not? Did he not, Jacob? Did he not go off in week five? (laughs) So he ended up having a massive game last week, and I still think that that there's the potential over there. Arizona's run defense is not good, so I'm still going to be playing some Kenneth Walker with Geno Smith stack. I don't care that he doesn't catch the ball yet, it's going to happen because guess what? He can catch everybody's acting like he can't catch. And DJ Dallas, this dude, DJ Dallas is, is a jag, okay? Like, you're gonna see, you're gonna see. Kenneth Walker have some opportunities in the receiving game because this couldn't be in a shootout we're gonna see Kenneth Walker uh, look like I don't know DeAndre Hopkins out there maybe you know <laughs> some Larry Fitzgerald like he's gonna end up looking like an absolute monster over there for for the running back position for the Seahawks. Uh, meanwhile, I, I looked into this and this is getting really sketchy for me Jacob because you know I like my matchups right and you know how much I love Byron Murphy because Byron Murphy shuts slot corners down but this year, they haven't been playing that because Isaiah Simmons has been man in the slot, mm. even up against slot receivers. And he's been killing it. There's another guy, Jace or JC. I, I don't even know. He, like his, his last name. He, he's uh, I think he's a rookie corner. Um, I don't even remember who he is, but anyways, you have, you have Byron Murphy now who's been playing the outside. And so I tried to dive into the matchup because I was like, Oh, Tyler Lockett's a, like a no go. Anytime that, that Byron Murphy or the Seahawks and Cardinals play, I always fade Tyler Lockett because typically we see, Byron Murphy man the slot up against Tyler Lockett and he shadows him. Well, Byron Murphy's only shadowed one receiver thus far in the season and that's been Devonta Adams and he shut Devonta Adams down by the way. Only allowed what two receptions I believe on seven targets. Like he shut him down completely. Byron Murphy's the real deal. But last season he played one game where he played up against Tyler Lockett in the slot and then the other game in Week 18. He matched up against DK Metcalf and he shut DK Metcalf now. Now Byron Murphy's not, should not ever be matched up on DK Metcalf one-on-one. So I'm assuming I didn't go back and watch the film. I normally do. I didn't have time today, but uh, typically like I would expect bracketed coverage because Byron Murphy's all of like five, hundred and like 185 pounds. DK Metcalf is a whole different, you know, monster. Cause I don't think he's a human being. So as we, we expect to this matchup to kind of unfold, I'm hoping that Byron Murphy stays in the slot up against Tyler Lockett and I can fade Tyler Lockett and I'll take DK Metcalf and double coverage on the outside because, <laughs> like, let's, let's be real. There's no other corner on this team that can match up with DK Metcalf. Two guys could not am- amount to any kind of coverage on DK Metcalf. And DK Metcalf and, and Geno Smith have shown some, some chemistry. So I want to run out. I want to run out Geno Smith. I want to run out Kenneth Walker. And if I'm not running out DK Metcalf because maybe you see high ownership on DK Metcalf. Maybe you want to get a little bit different. I'm going to roll out Will Disley, who is going to absolutely smash this week. Uh, Arizona's brutal up against the tight ends. And Will Disley will create a little bit of leverage in the field for a play that nobody else has. So I do like Will Disley. Meanwhile, <laughs> you already know. You know that thing, that jackhammer, right? That, that yeah. construct work. Yeah, that, that, that thing. Yeah. I'm going to be playing that. That's going to be me on Eno Benjamin this week.
1: All right. So we talked about Walker, talked about Benjamin, and we're not covering in detail the Panthers Rams game or the Patriots Browns game. So this is probably as good a time as any. I'm going to guess right now, but I, I could be wrong. But let, let's just assume for the sake of this exercise that I'm correct that Eno comes in with the highest ownership, followed by Ramondre and then walker and henderson end up somewhat similar um how would you rank them one through four in terms of most likely to be in your lineup from i don't care i'm eating it to you know i'm fading it completely or or if you know maybe nobody's on on either end of that spectrum but how, how would you rank these four running backs because i think that that's it's, it's gonna it's gonna be impossible well not impossible but I, th- I think you're not gonna fade all of them um but how are you
0: managing these guys? Let me let me actually give you a, a percentage for each okay. player. So I'm going to rank them, but I'm going to say what percentage they'll probably end up in my lineups because obviously I'm not finished. I normally don't do my lineups until right. Sunday morning or Saturday night. So I'm estimating my percentages, okay? I'll probably have, you know, Benjamin – Number one, just because I've been waiting so long to play him that I have to play him. Like it's I'm obligated to. Uh, I'm pretty sure when I signed my my contract with with fantasy football that I dedicated all of my lineups going to Eno Benjamin once he actually had a shot to play. So Eno Benjamin is gonna be number one. I'd probably say right around uh, thirty five to forty percent. Maybe even with the field on Eno then. Probably. Yeah, if I end up, so let's just hypothetically say like all of a sudden I find like this cheat code stack where I'm like, oh crap, I can get all these different guys in with if I play, Eno which is very possible to happen. It doesn't happen that often. It could go up to 50%. But I'm going to say 40% ish right now. Um, I would probably take 35% on Kenneth Walker. I think the Kenneth Walker has a massive game up and coming. And it also helps me fade the field. If I play Kenneth Walker versus, you Smith, so I'm gonna have Kenneth Walker in a good amount of stacks with Geno Smith. Cause I like that running back and, and quarterback stack, but I prefer to play Kenneth Walker where I don't have Geno Smith because it'll end up eliminating. Everybody starts telling the the crowd and, and the, you know, the, the, the listeners and all that stuff. Okay. Everybody's saying, Hey, fade this game, fade that game. Everybody's going right. to pivot over to Geno Smith. You're not going to fade Geno Smith, so uh, I am gonna. F- if I end up do fading Geno Smith, I'm gonna play some Kenneth Walker, and then it's kind of a toss up because I don't really like Darrell Williams, I like the situation. I, I think Henderson. it's a, I'm sorry, yes, Henderson. I yeah. said Darrell Williams, uh, Darrell Henderson. So I don't love the game script right this is going to be a slow moving game potentially we have a backup quarterback over there for pj walker mm. matt stafford doesn't look right like where are we going to get breakaway runs from or breakaway Pat, where where are we going to get game script where it's like okay this is quick moving this is quick hitting like I, i'm going to get opportunities for touchdowns if I play Darrell Henderson, I don't know if we're going to see a bunch of touchdowns. Like this game could hit an under on 40 points, if if we start seeing some sacks. And I understand like the Rams—they're only allowing like a 12.8, I believe, pressure rate on opposing quarterbacks. So maybe PJ Walker can sit in the pocket for a little bit longer, deliver some strikes to DJ Moore. I just don't want like it's so gross. I don't want to believe in that. But it is up against the Panthers. It's a bad defense. So maybe he sees enough volume to where it comes to fruition. Meanwhile, Ravonje Stevenson, sexier. In a weird spot for for money wise, like I, I don't think that you're gonna have a lot of people that end up with six K that they just wanna play Stevenson. So oh, people man, that I are gonna well. Them-
1: I mean what what would be what would be his efficient price? Like eight thousand? No, no, no. I think that No, I'm not joking. Like like I would say you would be efficiently priced at like at seventy five hundred
0: this week. Well, what I'm saying, Jacob, is we're not going to have a pl- bunch of people with lineup set who need one more player, and they're able to go to Ramondre Stevenson. Ramondre has to be the initial play,
1: right? But I think that people, I think people are entering into DraftKings, and they and the first thing they do is they hit the lock button beside Ramondre Stevenson's name.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I so when I actually pivot off of ownership, I pivot off of a position that I think people are going to come to with like the last pick, like, like okay. how many spots, like, or you know, how much money do I have left? And who can I fit in my lineup? But this? just like we do; like we do it all the time. It's literally our last pick. Who's our last player? Who we're we gonna pick? I don't think that with these other running backs on the slate, and you have the high end upside from the Saquon Barkleys and the Nick Chubb's. I don't think that we're gonna see a lot of as many people as we think are gonna run to Ramondre Stevenson. Okay. To put in as their first initial like guy, like oh, I'm building a lineup around Ramondre Stevenson. This game, that's going to be my stack. Ramond, like a a lot of these games we talked about, start out. A lot of these builds are going to start from the first or from those two games. We're going to see a lot of builds from the Chiefs and Bills. We're going to see a lot of builds from the uh, Seattle Seahawks and the Arizona Cardinals. So Ramondre Stevenson is not going to be like. yeah, Ramondre Stevenson for me is not going to be a focal point of people's builds. So it's going to come down to how much money is left. And when you talk about 6K, that's a lot of money to spend for your last pick to be a guy that's starting on your roster.
1: So you think, okay, so you you think then, well, if you had to guess ownership then between those four, what's your guess for what it winds up being then in order?
0: I, I think I was pretty accurate on Eno you know, Benjamin in terms of my ownership in comparison to Right, but I mean like
1: what's your guess for the field then? Because what I'm hearing what you say on Ramondre is that you think that 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 he's not going to be as owned by the field as i think he's going to be
0: i think he's going to be probably close to 20 percent, maybe 18
1: interesting so i think he's going to be over 30
0: yeah yeah i i I just like i mean like all right so we start our builds right like when you do your builds jacob you start out with typically a stack in most cases
1: right well uh, when i'm like playing around yeah but when i'm when i'm actually setting lineups I mean, I'm doing things a little differently. Like I'm I'm more, I kind of build my lineup at the same time. Like I'm kind of going in, I'm thinking, okay, like I'm trying to tell tell a story of my lineup, right? Like I'm, I'm saying to myself, so like I might decide, okay, actually what I try, what I honestly do, I almost like storyboard. This is actually good. I've never talked about this. I, I literally like, I get like a <laughs> Google doc and I like kind of type like the different things that I want to do, almost like puzzle pieces. And so it'll be like, I want to do like a chub, like, um, like abstract fade of, of Ramondre this week. I want to do a, um, I want to do a Bengals. I want to do, um, I want to do, oh, singletaries like I'm going to talk about that. But I'll kind of talk about the things I'm not even settled, but I'll kind of talk about the different angles of things that I want to do in a given week. And then I kind of piece those together. Hey,
0: Jacob, I don't mean to interrupt you, right? I, I still want to hear everything that you're going to say, but I, while you're talking, I want to know in the chat, can the chat actually let us know like how you build your lineups? Do you start with a stack, or, or do you kind of just go with the players that you want to go with and then build a stack around that? Just let us know in the chat just so we can see some
1: of the results, and then Jacob, continue, please. A lot of people also hit run on the optimizer. Oh, yeah. and the, that's, yeah, that's, that's the op- other way a lot of people do it. That's a great way to do it as well. Um, to be clear, but... So anyway, I I think, um, and we we have more games to talk about, so I don't want to go the whole whole way, but I I think for me, I think is going to be owned. I think he'll be more owned than Walker and Henderson. So here's where I think. I think Walker's ownership stays somewhat reasonable because now I know you disagree, but the general public at least does not view Kenneth Walker as a pass-catching running back. So people are not going to play Smith and Walker together. People, I don't think, will have much of an issue playing Eno with Kyler and they won't have an issue playing Eno opposite Geno Stacks. They won't even have an issue playing Eno with Walker, and they won't have an issue playing Eno in any other scenario because he's that all-purpose guy. I think that people are going to view Walker. They are they're, they might play Walker with Kyler Stacks, for sure, but they could also play Lockett or Metcalf. Um, they're not going to play him in Geno Stacks. And then if people are doing other things in other games and they've already used one of the running back slots, Eno comes in cheaper. So I think Walker ends up, not quite as highly owned. I think he's going to be owned for sure, but I think he might be fourth. He might be third. He's the guy I'm probably going to play the most aggressively because at least I'm getting something else out of it. Even though he's really highly owned, like Lockett is going to be even higher owned than he is, I think. And then Gino and Metcalf are going to have a lot on them as well. So like if I can play Walker and he gets there with rushing touchdowns, long touchdowns, like yes, I'm eating some ownership there. I'm also taking it away from Lockett, and I'm taking it away from Metcalf, and I'm taking it away from Geno. And so I'm I'm getting something out of that there. And I think that you can use Walker because of that unique kind of player that he is. Like, he's almost like a Chubb or a Henry-esque player where you can build two different narratives for Walker. One is that Seattle controls the game, and they're able to pound it with Walker 25 times, and all the Arizona fails. And the other is that he breaks like a 70-yard touchdown run, and he actually speeds up the game. Right where Arizona is going back and forth, they hand it off to Walker. He breaks a seventy-yard touchdown, and then Arizona has it back, and they fifty-yarder Marquis Marquise Brown. Like I think he kind of works both ways, and so Walker just fits a lot for me. Hendo is the one I agree with you. I'm pretty okay fading Daryl Henderson. Um, I think he's a really high floor play, great play, and managed. But in terms of a DFS play, like Henderson's ceiling to me is not as high as those other guys. He's not going to catch as many passes as you Eno know, Benjamin. Akers already doesn't run any reps. So all Henderson is gaining is Akers carries, right? Um, he's, he's like, and he hasn't been catching passes while already running all the reps. He's not going to start catching them now. So he, he's, all he's getting is Akers' carries. The Rams can't run block for crap. Um, so I think that Henderson's going to struggle to get to the 100 yard bonus. I, I think you're playing for like 20 points with Daryl Henderson. And like, to me, you know, I'd rather take other guys when I need the savings and then I would rather just play the expensive guys and try to play for a thirty-point game that blows Henderson under the water. So I'm going to be out on Henderson. I mentioned Ramondre, where I think he's a really good play, and if he's going to come in closer to twenty, like you think, then I'd want to load up. Um, so I'll have to think about that. But where I'm thinking he's going to be coming in, then then I might be a little lower just because it's the early game.
0: So Jacob, like the the whole Ramondre Stevenson thing, I think is is tremendously affected by henderson actually being the primary running back you know something that we were looking at prior to because if you can pivot down save a thousand like yeah. an upgrade at your wide receiver i i think if, if henderson never happened like if, if cam Akers was still playing this week i think that we would be seeing 35 percent on Ramondre, maybe in 40 like i wouldn't be shocked to see 40 if we didn't have that but yeah i i agree with you like and also side notes I went to go make a you know Matt Kelly boing joke, right? Because all this podcast, like, and you have literally like there would be a hundred of them throughout this episode because you have killed you have you have set off the boing meter. Okay, you've set off the boing meter. But I went to go make a joke about it, and then we see in the chat over here that the uh, the hinder. Uh, hot date over here site is up there. So I can't even I can't even make a comment now because it's up there. But let's go ahead. Let's move on to the next game. Jacob, who is who's the game that you want to talk about?
1: Well, we're talking about the two big games. So let's just talk about the other big game here. And we'll go into hyperdrive because we're already at about the halfway point. But I want to talk about the Bills and the Chiefs. And specifically, there's a few plays here that I think are my probably my, my favorite stack of the week. I don't know if I believe the ownership projections that I'm seeing, but the only stuff I'm seeing, it's only Friday. Um, and I get it. Is that you know we might get pretty reasonable ownership on Mahomes and Kelsey this week, um, just based on a lot of people want to play Allen, of course, at the top. People want to play Kyler, of course, at the top. And then there's all those cheap options. And then you know wide receiver people are going to want to play Diggs in this game. Uh, and so it's really hard. Like if if you try to build a lineup with either Allen or Mahomes and Diggs and Kelsey, it gets like almost impossible. Uh, so I I think that you, you kind of almost have to sacrifice one of those, but, uh, where I'm really excited about playing Allen or excited about playing Mahomes and Kelsey is with Devin Singletary, because here's my Singletary take. This is like a little bit of like a Galbrain take, but I think that the bills seem to use Singletary when they really, really want to win a game. And when they're like, we can. Like bludgeon the Steelers and we don't really care, then they scale back his usage. Like I think that they know he's their guy, but they also know that he's too small and can't hold up to the beating of getting 20 carries, 20 touches every single game. Uh, I personally think in this game, if it's a close game, I expect it to be a close game, that he's going to see that 80% plus snap rate that he saw in the Ravens game, for instance. He's going to see the type of usage that he saw in the Dolphins game, for instance, games that were really important to Buffalo, who they really wanted to win. And they're going to get him usage in this spot. So I like Singletary. He's going to have like, not a lot of ownership at all because we mentioned all these other running backs that project really well. He comes in 5,900, so he's right in between uh, Stevenson at 6K and Walker and Hendo early down there. You play him, one of the cheaper guys, not Diggs, um, and then you play that with Mahomes and Kelsey, I think that's a really, really fun way um, to play it. That's probably my preferred. The other guy that I'm going to talk about that's really gross, really gross, it's the last time I'll hype him on this show, I promise you, if it doesn't work. Oh, but God, I'm here we go. pretty into playing Juju Smith-Schuster this week. Yes. Um, he's down to $5,200. Buffalo Bills defense, they defend most teams this way, but they've defended the Chiefs this way in particular uh, over the last couple of years where... Number one, they only rush four. They're among the best at getting pressure with four, with Von Miller and Greg Russo, and so they very rarely blitz. They sit back in coverage, and they're going to bracket deep. They want to make Mahomes have to articulate the ball down the field. I also imagine that they're aware that Travis Kelsey exists. They're going to be devoting resources to Travis Kelsey. And I think if you're looking at, you know, say you can't afford Kelsey, you can't afford paying up, or you're looking for a second guy in your Mahomes stack, or an alternative bring back in an Allen Diggs stack, where you probably can't afford Kelsey, is I think might, people might go to MVS off the big game. I think MVS is a bad play this week. I, I think that he's going to be the one running the clearout routes. The Bills are going to be all over that. Um, and I'm not particularly concerned about MVS breaking a lot of long ones in this game. I think they're going to have to be working in the middle area of the field. That's where Juju resides. Juju's rule has not been as bad this year as advertised. He's at a 19.6% target share, 21% area yard share. That's basically what he's been his whole career. He's a 2020 type guy. The difference is he's at 15.6% of the red zone target share. Okay. That's four points below in red zone target share than his base target share. Every single year of Juju Smith Schuster's career until this year, he has always had a higher target share in the red zone than he's had as his overall target share. I don't think that that personally sticks. Kelsey currently is plus eight in terms of the delta between red zone target share and regular. He has never been that high. Over the last uh, four years with Patrick Mahomes, he's averaged just a 2.5% delta in terms of his red zone versus average i think we're going to see some regression in juju getting more red zone looks he's going to be getting looks over the middle of the field he's a guy that i want to use as a salary saver this week um in these stacks with juju and singletary and if you're fading this game for the most part you're playing the expensive pieces elsewhere you can't afford days you can't afford kelsey then i'm just going to do this little mini correlation with singletary and with juju where i get to play a popular game with two guys i don't think are going to be owned jacob
0: i feel like you tuned into my show earlier that i had with stepmom lauren over there uh, on her network i, I feel like you, you're literally you just tuned in you took everything that i said and you just regurgitated it because i loved you just schuster it is what three games with seven targets one game with eight there was only one game i think you had three
1: four games with eight yes four games with
0: eight four okay okay cool cool yeah i was i was on a uh, different site obviously so yeah i mean it's insane the amount of targets that he's seen over there and exactly what you said i was like mbs is going to clear out the field we're probably going to see travis kelsey run a lot of uh into out routes where essentially he's pulling people linebackers or safeties out of the center of the field so you're going to see Juju smith schuster lined up with with linebackers a whole lot and with the targets that he's seen sure he hasn't been efficient uh he hasn't you know Done anything with him especially last week. But I think that this is the week that we actually see Juju get in the end zone because he hasn't gotten in the end zone, and that's typically you know what he does well is he makes sure that he takes these short yardage uh, situation, he converts a lot of third downs, a lot of red zone opportunities. So yeah, I I don't think that it sticks. I, I I love that pick, and honestly, like that's gonna be the only guy that I play from this game. I might see a little bit of Singletary just to to mix it up some. Um, but it's, I mean, this game is going to be so owned. Like, I
1: I, I don't think Mahomes is going to be though. If you can, if but here's the thing, right? I don't think if, I think that they're under projected for ownership. Like, I'm seeing uh, across the industry, I'm seeing projections of like under five percent for Mahomes and under ten percent for Kelsey. I'm not sure that that holds because I think that there's a leveling aspect to this where people are going to have Allen lineups built, and then well, okay, I think it depends on what contest you're playing. I think that what we've always seen is that there's more late swapping in higher-dollar, smaller-field contests. That's where you see people that are min-maxing their lineups more throughout the day. So here here would be my advice. If you're in large-field, low-dollar tournaments, I personally would be jamming Mahomes um, because I think that we're going to see his ownership come in significantly below Josh Allen's in a game in which the team totals are almost identical. We have a 54-point over-under, and he might not be a top three or four-owned quarterback this week. In smaller fields, I expect some of this to outlevel itself. Where you're going to have people that have built Allen lineups, and then I don't know, say Ramondre Stevenson goes for 35 points at 30% ownership, and now everybody that didn't have Ramondre and had an Allen lineup, they need to rework things, uh, and all of a sudden they need to now change their. And the easiest thing to do is to change your Allen lineup to a Mahomes lineup. And you don't even have to do all that much else. You just get less ownership by changing Allen to Mahomes, at basically the same price. So. I think that they come in a lot closer together than projected in small field high dollar or mid, mid stakes. Uh, I think in low dollar, you see that wider gap. And so I'm pretty interested in playing Mahomes everywhere, but especially in low dollar large field where people aren't late swapping, I, I think that I, it's hard for me to pass up the chance to play a not that highly owned Patrick Mahomes in a game with a 54 point total. That that just seems like like, could you imagine if you flip over the cards and he's like 6% owned, and Kelsey's like 7% owned. And then they put up a combined 70 and they, it's the highest total game on the slate. And you're like, oh, I didn't play Mahomes and Kelsey at a 54 total and they weren't even owned? Like, I, I, would, I would end it all. He <laughs> said I would end it all.
0: <laughs> all right, so you're right. You're, you're 100% right about that. I probably will. You talked me into, to move to bumping up my Mahomes ownership just a little bit, just a little bit. Uh, I think I would probably end up having him right around 7% and I think he'd, he'd be around 10% now. So I just got a little bit of an update. Thank you, Andrew. I, I think that this completely blows the, the top off the game. And, and although like I, I just said, I'm going to up my Mahomes ownership. Now I just think I'm going to be playing two games because Byron, Byron Murphy got hurt today. He ended up on the injury report for a groin injury. He might not even play. Like, how am I supposed to not play Seahawks and Cardinals at all? Like, now it's going to be a blowout. Now it's like, okay, I'm just going to load up on, on Geno Smith and his pass catching options. But now, nah, I'm just kidding. It is something to note, though, that Byron Murphy did end up on the injury report. Thank you very much, Andrew, for, for throwing that in the chat, of course. Let's go ahead and hop on to my next game. Jacob it's kind of funny like we used to have these shows right we used to have these DFS shows and and I think some of them lasted like two hours so we need to, <laughs> to sit there and see if we can get a time stretcher You know, like I know that they have a a show obligated to go live at seven o'clock, but maybe like we can make the hour longer, like somehow, some way we can make the hour longer because shows like this, like last week, we weren't excited to talk about it this week. There's so much happening.
1: No, we could go two hours on this one for sure. We literally
0: could go two hours on this one because I mean, I literally have like 10 players that I want to talk about that aren't even my stacks. So I'm going to go and I'm going to make this quick. Okay. We have the Giants and the Ravens game. I think it's going to be a lot higher score than what we expect. Uh, Dabble knows how to play the Ravens. He always has know how to play the Ravens. We're seeing Daniel Jones have what nine rushing attempts per game. I mean, the Ravens front seven is completely trash. Like it is hot garbage and their secondary is much, isn't much better. Marcus Peters. I think that he plays, but he also did not participate for his third day in a row. So he's obviously hurting. I mean, it's, it's, it's bad over there. It's bad for the Ravens defense once again, this year, which is something that's weird saying if you didn't pay attention last year. so, I'm expecting the the Ravens Giants defense to hit that over uh, to to be a game that nobody really sees coming. You know how you have that those game or two week where it was like, oh, man, I never expected that. I think this is one of those games where we see it. The issue, of course, is if you play Daniel Jones, who the heck do you play with him? Saquon Barkley, of course. There's only one answer. It's Saquon Barkley. Uh, the Ravens have been somewhat susceptible up against pass catching running backs thus far in the year. The the Jets. Ended up targeting the running back 18 times, 13 receptions, 78 yards. Uh, Dolphins, six receptions, 51 yards to the running back. Uh, Patriots ended up getting six receptions for 33 yards, four receptions for 47, seven receptions for 49. I mean, like, that's fantasy points just sitting there on the board for you to grab for for Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley could easily, easily see 60 yards receiving this game. Another what 80 yards rushing two touchdowns i think that saquon barkley needs to be in a lot of your lineups especially with the pivot the down pivot that a lot of people are taking with these cheaper running backs nobody's gonna be playing expensive running backs people nobody like it, it's a it's almost like a free square if you just run in and take saquon barkley who's the fourth most expensive running back on the slate but he's still only at 7700 i mean how is the second highest scoring running back in a per game basis only 7,700. It makes no sense to me. And I don't care if the Giants haven't played anybody. Now they're playing somebody and they're playing a team that can score. So Saquon Barkley should see more opportunities up against a very, like I said, poor front seven. Saquon Barkley for me is an auto play. Like he's somebody that I have immense faith in.
1: What was. Do you remember what Barkley's salary was two weeks ago? Was it seventy six, seventy so three? It was in the mid seventies. It wasn't that far off of seventy seven.
0: Yeah, I have you right here. You said two weeks ago, so it was yeah against the Bears because he wasn't on
1: the main slate last week. Uh, the the Bears was eight K the week before that. Dallas was seventy five. Okay, so it was eight thousand uh, against the Bears on the main slate. And I don't know if you have his ownership. I mean, it depends on what contest, but he was largely twenty five to thirty five percent range on ownership. Uh, I believe he was one of the most owned running backs on that slate. Um, he'll, he'll be owned this, this slate for sure, but he's going to be nowhere near that. He's probably going to be in a lot of contests, 15 to 20, just because so many people are, are going to be able to save, um, on those cheap guys. Uh, and especially if people want to play Josh Allen, people want to play Kyler Murray, people want to play Patrick Mahomes, you're going to need to save somewhere. And, and clearly where the value is uh point per dollar is a running back. And so it is going to take away ownership for a guy like Saquon. So for sure, you're essentially getting Saquon at at a cheaper price than he was two weeks ago. His role has been incredible in both games since then. And you're getting him at probably about two-thirds to to 50% of the ownership that he was two weeks ago, exclusively because of other alternatives, right? That's the thing. It's not like Saquon's – and this goes to the running back that I'm going to talk about the next game, both of them. There are several running backs where if James Conner was playing this week and Cam Akers was playing this week, and Rashad Penny was playing. Like if all these other running backs that aren't playing were playing, Damian Harris, then all these running backs would have double the ownership. And it would be like, oh my God, what are we gonna do about Saquon? He's 30% again, right? So whenever you have these types of situations, right, you're you're gonna get value uh on a guy like Saquon and, and definitely interested in playing him. Uh are you playing the Lamar side of this too? Because I mean that's that's the one elite quarterback he'll be owned, but the game's not as sexy. So, you know, that's that's another one you can do early. So I'm not as high
0: on like the the I think the points happen, but I think it's going to be explosive play after explosive play, but we're going to see a lot of drives stall out. I think we're going to see a lot of, you know, three and outs or maybe six plays in a drive, but we're going to see a lot of breakaway runs. I mean, the the other player that I want to play in this game is a player that I suggested you play, I think it was last week. Maybe it wasn't for for this show, actually, but, I mean, J.K. Dobbins, who, funniest thing ever, was watching the press conference where we're talking about Harbaugh. It's like, dude, every time he got hit in the backfield – He moved the pocket. He gained additional five yards. He broke tackle after tackle. You look at the numbers, right? The the numbers are impressive as to what he's done in just a few games. I mean, he has a 7.1% breakaway run rate coming back from an injury. That's 16th. He has a 44.1% juke rate, which is fourth in the NFL. I mean, this guy is an absolute monster. But Harbaugh, going back to Harbaugh, he's like, dude, he's killing it out there. Then one reporter goes, well, why did he not play two of the final three drives in the game? Why? Why did you have Kenny Drake out there? Who you know, Kenny Drake's Kenny Drake, and he's like, uh, because J.K. Dobbins was on a snap count. So Harbaugh, you're telling me that that you have the game on the line, right? You, you're you're you have your best running back out there who's moving the pocket five yards, and he gets hit in the backfield. He's breaking breaking uh, tackles. He's making things happen, and you put in Kenny Drake because he's on a snap count up against one of your biggest competitors. I understand that you don't want to get J.K. Dobbins hurt. Harbaugh, I don't think he's going to do that again. I think J.K. Dobbins, he's 15 carries, maybe 20. He probably gets you know an additional two to three uh, receptions, possibly. But I'm more so banking on the big plays happening from J.K. Dobbins where we could see him with the 120 yards rushing because he does have these breakaway runs. And I think he gets the touches in the red zone. I think that now he's available. He's going to be efficient in the red zone. I think he's going to absolutely crush it. So I'm playing J.K. Dobbins. I'm locking my lineups. And uh, I'm going to run it back with with... Uh, Saquon Barkley and probably Daniel Jones
1: with a few. Here's my issue with Dobbins. I'm going to go against you on this one. I, I've, if this were a normal week, I'd be pretty interested in playing Dobbins because I do think that it's a it's a matter of when that he comes yes. out of this snap count role, right? Like the last three weeks, he's clearly been on a limited snap count. Now, one week he got there because he happened to get the two touchdowns, but he has clearly not had that playable of a role in terms of this is the type of role that gets you 30 points on a DraftKings slate. Um, and at some point, that's going to change. I think at some point, they are going to increase his role. Maybe it is this week. I hope it is this week. And I would like to be ahead of the field, because eventually he's eventually what's going to happen is maybe, let's say it's this week. Let's say this week he gets 70% of the snaps, and he gets 20 carries and a couple of targets. Um, you know, Then the week after that, all of a sudden, he's going to stay at the same price, that he's going to be really highly owned because everybody will have just seen it. And then the week after the price will get adjusted. Uh, so you're only going to have one week where he's the screaming value relative to his cost and nobody is playing it. And maybe this is this week and it would definitely bum me out to not play it. The only concern is there's just so many other options this week that I feel like I can get fairly not owned running backs that I don't have to make assumptions for their role changing. And I would rather push it one more week with Dobbins and then try and get in next week if he has the same kind of role. And I, I just, you never know what teams look at things, but like, I know the giants are four and one. They're not actually that good of a football team. I, I think that the Ravens should handle them pretty easily in this game. And you could see a situation where like, if Dobbins is going to pile up points, he almost has to do it early. Cause like, let's say they're up, let's say they're up 21, three at halftime. Like
0: the Ravens aren't that good on defense. The Ravens defense is trash. Like the, the giants are going to put up points.
1: I hope the Rams defense looked better this past week against Burrow. That's for sure. But mm. they also lost Higgins mid game. So you never know. I, I don't know. My concern with Dobbins is that his role needs to be a lot better because I don't think this is a week where Dobbins can have like 18 points and you're happy with that. Like with, with these other running backs, these other spots, but you're going to need 25 out of both running back slots this week. I mean, most of them are going to play three running backs. Um, and, and that's, that's my concern with Dobbins. It's just, do we have a big enough role? Because if not, he's almost unplayable on the slate. And if he is, it's appealing. But I just don't know if it's necessary to take the risk because I feel like I can play like... I I, I feel like... like I don't know. I can play Nick Chubb at probably like freaking 3% this week. Like I, I I can play Joe Mixon at like nothing.
0: But but I mean, what is J.K. Dobbins at 5,500 ownership going to be? I mean, 0.5%. Like, like nobody's going to have him. He's going to be nothing. He's going to be completely free. If he goes off... If he puts up 25 points... If he goes out there and puts up 25 points you're automatically going to be in that that top echelon as long as you obviously play your stack right. You're going to be in the top echelon of people because nobody else is going to have them. Yeah, but he has, to
1: outscore, he has to outscore all the other four.
0: Yeah, but the other four, yes, yes, I agree with you. The only one that, that's doing anything different, though, than than J.K. Dobbins in terms of like his his outlook, because Kenneth Walker doesn't catch passes, right? right? We don't see a lot of passes caught from... From Ramondre Stevenson, I mean, he has a few, but not a bunch. Uh, Drell Henderson's in the same boat. I mean, you know, Benjamin might catch a few passes, but like, how how is this guy not going to separate himself if he does see the breakaway opportunity? I understand. I don't want to spend too much time on that because we're
1: yeah. Well, here, just I'll say this really quick because this is like a larger take of that for the slate. So. I agree. like if it was just the cheap guys, or even if it was just a couple of them, and you were like, I'm just gonna bet on them failing or being okay, and then I'll bet on J.K. outscoring them. I think that that's fine. I guess my other is- my issue is is that because so much the ownership is gonna be funnelled onto those cheap guys, like I can also probably play Dalvin Cook with Madison questionable at like three percent against Skylar Thompson, right? Like I just need- I just feel like there's so many opportunities to have like good running back plays at no ownership this week that I don't need know if I'm gonna get the dominance.
0: Yeah, yeah I, I understand it completely. Let's go ahead and uh, we got like eight minutes left. So right. I- is there a couple of players you want to talk about? Because there's one that I really would love to talk about. And we don't, we're we not going to have time to set a lineup. So maybe we can do it after the show. Uh, yeah, maybe we can do it after the show and then post it on Twitter.
1: Well, you know what? Okay. Yeah, that's probably true. Well, I, I, I saw a whole other game. I'm going to talk about it really, really briefly because there's not much to it. Uh, I want to talk about the Cincinnati Saints game. I'll just give me like the 60 second version. Basically, people aren't going to play it because the over-under is kind of cruddy, and because there's other alternatives of frankly, just better games. Uh, That being said, you have Chase. Higgins is either going to not play or he's going to be gimpy. I'm not really sure which one. He came back to practice today. He's questionable. But there's a pretty decent chance that Higgins is either out or a decoy. And so the only viable options are Chase, Boyd, and Hurst. You'll then have Boyd underpriced for his role if Higgins is out or hobbled. You have Hurst underpriced for his role if Higgins is hurt or hobbled. You have them indoors. The Saints' defense sucks. It has not been good this year. I think people still think that it's good because it's been good for several years. They got lit up by Marcus Mariota. They got destroyed by Geno Smith. They aren't a good defense. Uh, And now they lose Marshawn Lattimore this week. So I think you have the chance to play Burrow and Chase under 10% combined ownership against the Saints indoors without Lattimore. And then you can bring it back with Kamara, who's similar to what uh, we were talking about with Barkley. It's just not going to be as owned as he should be based on all the other alternatives. Uh, and so that's probably my favorite early game skinny would be Burrow, Chase, Kamara. I'm also fine doubling it and playing Boyd as well, especially if Higgins sits. Um, that's my thoughts on that game. Do we want to build a lineup quick? We have five minutes. Let's do it really fast. Let's do it really fast. All as right. fast as we possibly can. Make
0: sure you share. Somebody get Matt Kelly on the phone, please, and tell him we need more time. Just get him on the phone. <laughs>
1: bring him to the show.
0: Tell him, He's hey. He's not busy. These guys are going to need more time to go through our DFS lineups because we
1: literally have a whole – I have a whole sheet here. of. Hey, dude. All right, rapid fire. We got five minutes. What what stack are we doing here?
0: Let's go with the, what, Geno Smith stack. That's probably going to be popular, so we'll probably help out.
1: Oh, God, no. <laughs> it's the only one I don't want fucking play. Okay, all right. Let's go with uh- – I want to play Walker, though. I'll play Walker.
0: Yeah, I do. Well, let's go with one of your stacks.
1: Um. Or
0: let's go with Daniel Jones. We could have fun with Daniel Jones. <laughs>
1: sure sure we'll do that
0: let's do it come on we, we, we're rapid fire We're rapid fire right now we gotta go we gotta go where is this guy
1: there he is 5200 oh my gosh yes he's free okay so we're playing Barkley right we're playing Barkley in this
0: yes we're playing Barkley in this
1: are we gonna play Andrews what Mark Andrews well if we're playing the Giants are we playing Mark Andrews no no we're playing J.K. Dobbins no we're not playing J.K. Dobbins
0: well no I, I have a tight end I have a tight end I want to play
1: well, we're not playing J.K. Dobbins that's for sure
0: all right, go Devin Duvernay because our last free week happened with Devin Duvernay. Fine. But screw it, Devin Duvernay fine. is now is no longer free anymore. People, you missed out. You missed out. He's no longer free. All right, so we're gonna go ahead and go with, of course, Kenneth Walker, Eno Benjamin. Right? Might as well.
1: Well, Walker for sure. Um, are we playing? Are we gonna do the Eno? The Eno three running back. Or we'll have used all of our running backs here. Um, I'm fine with playing Eno because nobody's playing Devin Duvernay. And- we have to play Eno. We have to play Eno. All right, that's true. That's true. Okay, I'll put in a placeholder D here. I want to play George Kittle. You want to play George? Okay, that's fun. Uh, I,
0: I have a huge reasoning behind it. Unfortunately, I don't have time to talk about it because we have five minutes, but I'll try and squeeze it in if we finish in okay. time. So, all right, uh, let's go ahead. And who, who do we have left after George Kittle? Or how
1: much money do we have left? I'm just going to put in a defense. And then uh, Kittle... Where's Kill here? All right, kill. We have a lot of money left. We have average seventy two hundred dollars per player. <laughs> so we can play no! whoever the hell we want at, at wide receiver. And I don't think we have any ownership concerns either. Um Marquise Brown. Uh and you know, without Kyler?
0: Okay, no, no, no. In this economy? Okay.
1: In this economy? Okay, let's do who's who's speaking to you here? Um, I mean we can we can definitely oh, we can play Diggs and we can play Juju. Mike Evans. Mike Evans? Okay. Mike Evans. Oh Mike God. Evans. I don't know how I let you just control this entire lineup. A bunch of plays that I don't <laughs> I want. Don't, I, I, all right, let's go with Diggs. <laughs> that's okay. Who are we, who's the other guy then, though? No. Who are you playing in the other slot? I was going to play Diggs and Juju, and then we can spend up. You liked the Juju call when I gave you yeah, the Juju call?
0: Yeah, we can do Juju. That's-
1: all right, there we go. And then um, who do you want at Demons? We got we got a lot of money for defense. you want to play the Niners defense? Do you want Ra- to play the Ravens defense? Play browns defense oh we put the vikings defense against skylar thompson yeah do the vikings all right look at that
0: <laughs> that was fun all right should i go off of my rant on uh george kittle real quick
1: yes and by the way to those watching i do not recommend constructing a lineup in three minutes um but uh that's what happens when you do maybe we'll win a million dollars
0: all right so carolina uh and denver right who they faced earlier in the season, the uh the 49ers did. They had a 20.4% pressure rate, 26.6% pressure rate on the season. So that's sitting right around what 23%. Uh meanwhile, over those two games, Kittle ran just 80% of his routes. His a dot was 8.2. So he's Ooh. blocking a lot more often and he had a low a dot. The Rams, who pressured 12.8% of the time, uh or do pressure 12.8% of the time, put pressure on the quarterback. Uh, he ran 89% of his routes in that game. So he ran 9 out of 10 routes, and his out was 12 yards. So the Falcons, who pressure 12.7%, uh, very similar to the Rams, we should see him run 9 out of 10 routes versus blocking because that's his biggest issue nice. as he blocks too much. So we're going to see a lot more routes run. Uh, meanwhile, the uh, the Falcons are actually decent inside the 5-yard line up against rushing or uh, up against running backs, they shut down uh, Nick Chubb twice. They shut down Kareem Hunt. In fact, Leonard Fournette's the only one to get a touchdown on them inside the five-yard line. So, I mean, you know, it's Jeff Wilson Jr. Like, there's no guarantee that he's actually going to be able to punch it in. If right. they end up in a third down and four, you know, on on the goal line type situation, we could see – Uh, George Kittle get two touchdowns this week maybe you know at least one touchdown maybe two he's going to see targets in the middle of the field because they're actually decent on the outside I think George Kittle has the game plus the Falcons have not let a starting tight end have less than 43 yards in the air against them so prop bets by the way over there on underdog prop bets on underdog um, 43
1: yards 43.5 yards kills the lock for two 40 point games every year you never know when they're going to happen but chase knows it's going to happen this week so i'm down with it for sure i'm always down to play kittle at no ownership all right
0: we got to get out of here jacob but i mean the biggest thing is like how we did all this research today because we did a ton of research
1: like me and you went back and forth on the data analysis tool right that's true make sure to go to player profile you can check out our work but more importantly you can check out the data analysis tool you can go and see how many targets people are earning when they're running routes. You can see where they're being deployed. You can see how efficient they are. You can see that Eno Benjamin, for instance, is number two in avoiding tackles, that he's creating a million yards per touch, that he's having this incredible breakout season under the radar that you need to play. You can see that Kenneth Walker, for instance, uh, is number six in the league in Duke. You can see all these great things about all these running backs that we're going to consider playing, help you decide which one that you're going to play. Make sure to go check out Data Analysis on Player Profiler.
0: And you guys can find him at FF underscore RTDB. You guys can find me at FF underscore intervention over there on Twitter. Thank you guys for tuning in with us. Make sure you join us next Friday, 6 o'clock. We'll try to create more time. We'll try We'll try to get a, t- a time stretcher so that we have more time to talk DFS with y'all. We'll see you next week.